Welcome to the Next Level with Neil podcast. Joining us today is my boy. I haven't talked to him in a minute, but I'm very, very happy that he's on today. My boy, Mayhol Suchthave. Round of applause. What's up, man? How have you been? Long time no see. Hey, what's up? Yeah, long time no see. Dude, it's been a it's been a minute, man. Like uh I don't I don't even remember the last time I saw you to be honest with you. Like it's like a year or so. Dude, definitely more than a year. Like you fuck, probably at some picture or whatever like a few years ago. Yeah. Honestly, yeah I don't yeah. remember cuz like I don't think I ever saw you like my freshman year of college. And like obviously we nobody saw anybody in 2020 because of uh, a virus in the air. And yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh yeah, dude, honestly I can't I don't even like want to continue to try because like it's <laughs> gonna take forever. Anyways, yeah. um my the main thing I was really interested in is uh how'd you get hip to Substack? I, I wanna know that. And like what inspired you to start writing articles? Cause like I really like a lot of the work that you do. Yeah. Um, well, it started in October, and I think I saw a lot of um, I saw a lot of journalists switch to Substack. It was like this emerging platform, and mm-hmm. I think my my desire to start one came mostly from just wanting to emulate them, and and also just have something of um, have almost like a a, a recording of my thoughts, you know, similar to what you have with the podcast. I thought a way to sort of record the arguments I was making, some of the thoughts I was having would be to start just writing. And I've always enjoyed writing. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I've of it's very interesting because like I'm not a winger, but like a lot of the left wingers that like I respect, like uh, the Michael Tracy's of the world or the Glenn Greenwald's or uh, Matt Taibbi's of the world, like they hopped on. And I thought it was very interesting that um, we've seen like a sharp decline in like the corporate media and like the desire to work for like corporate outlets because of the perception of those outlets and how they've kind of tarnished, in my opinion, how they've really tarnished their reputation over the last four years with uh, a lot of these journalists, so-called journalists, uh, suffering from a lot of uh, Trump derangement syndrome, as they call it. Uh, he's like a drug to a lot of these people. So, I mean, like you can still, you can probably still find a few articles in CNN or MSNBC still talking about Donald Trump. So I found it very interesting to see like how this platform has emerged, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'll be honest, I'm a bit, I'm a bit skeptical of the platforms, I guess, like, um, like long-term prospects, just, just because you can only have well, first of all, you need to really build a reputation. Like the corporate media, still, still, is the way to build your reputation to the point of, you know, like a Matt Taibbi or Glenn Greenwald or the journalists you mentioned. A lot of them, you know, they were at Rolling Stone or they were at the Guardian. So it's still like the corporate media is still like a means to propel your reputation as a journalist. Um, mm-hmm. But but I think I'm worried about I'm. I'm not worried about Substack not being able to become a way to propel your reputation. I'm more worried about the fact that after a, after a while, you know, consumers are only going to spend so much on subscriptions to writers and, and the corporate media still has the advantage in their, in their business model um, being that you can, you know, get New York times, which has, you know, like 20 plus opinion writers, um, for like, I don't know, what's the rate? Like ten bucks a month? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, no, I don't I don't pay attention to the New York yeah. Times. You're asking the wrong guy. But yeah, I don't, probably, I don't know what the rate is, but it's definitely cheaper than, you know, subscribing to say like twenty people on Substack who have a five dollar a month rate. Yeah. Um so while yeah. I I really love Substack, um, because of the independence it gives journalists, I think I'm I'm a little bit worried about the long term prospects of its uh of its business model. Because because I think you re- we really do need an alternative to a lot of these corporate media outlets that sort of that sort of form these like bubbles. I, I like to call them like these like intellectual bubbles where, you know, what you're thinking is just you just get feedback on what you're thinking and you just become more deranged within your own ideology. So I think there needs to be an alternative to that. 
Um, I hope Substack could be that, but but I'm not sure. Yeah, no, I, I definitely see your point with uh, the, the point of concern in which, I mean, a lot of people aren't like you and me where they're going to take a lot of time to, you know, research and find out. Like most people, like especially like, you know, most middle-class Americans, they don't have like the time of day. They got bills to pay. They got to go to work. They got to, you know, they got to put food on their kid's table. Like, are they really going to take the time out of their busy ass days where like the only leisure they really get is like sleeping at night? Like, are they going to be like, you know, ingrained in like all these articles about like, um, I don't know, different shit, like different politicians are lying about? Probably not. Like they're more like like the access of information for channels like CNN and Fox News and MSNBC. Like it's so much easier for people to act like, you know, just turn on the TV. They got cable and just like, you know, sit in front of their TV and like listen to Rachel Maddow or like Sean Hannity, you know? So it's like, uh, I think that's definitely like the, uh, the problem is that the mains, the, no, I don't, I don't like calling them mainstream. I like calling them corporate because that's what they are. Mm -hmm. Uh, the problem with the corporate press and like how they take advantage of most people is the fact that they know this about most people, that most people aren't going to take the time out of their day to fact check. And most people trust these people because that is the position that they're held in. But what people don't realize is that there's only like six like networks controlling all the flow of in, of like corporate information, and like these six powerful uh, you know groups, like they have a, a large influence in what is what gets pushed out by the corporate press as the narrative. So it uh, it gets it gets very difficult, and I think we've noticed this. Um, we've noticed a lot of lack of Republican trust in the media, like it's really faltered. I think like some polls say like 17% or whatever trust like the corporate press. So uh, the the level of trust and the and, and the level of animosity has grown as the level of trust has faltered. So it's yeah. very interesting to see this happening. And it's, it's really, it's really scary more than anything. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the, the point you made about, you know, like middle-class Americans, not really, or like working class Americans not really having the time to to research as in-depth as maybe you or I have about some of these issues is like completely true. And, 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 you know, the, like the accessibility portion that you addressed is like spot on. Like there's nothing more accessible than just, than just watching um, CNN or Fox or, or even like, even like Twitter is super accessible and, and like the incentives for these platforms or these, you know, outlets is to almost like indoctrinate you and, 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 and make you become tribal about, you know, what they're saying Um, because that's what ends up increasing their, you know, viewership, their engagement. And, um, you know, as a result, you just have news being told in a very sensationalist way in a very divided way which is which is completely changed um, from what it used to be. And, and that came from a change, you know, like Matt Taibbi talks about this. It's a change in the in the business models of these of these media corporations, whereas before in like in like the 70s and the 80s, you know, you had the four network, the four the three major networks were like ABC, CBS mm-hmm. and NBC. And at that point in time, we didn't have like phones and super personalized devices in which we could just read news all the time. So at that point in the time, most of the news intake was was at the family level, you know, watching mm-hmm. TV while eating dinner together with your family. And, you know, families certainly in the 70s is a pretty divisive time, especially generationally. You know, yeah. it's not like they were like monogamous and like the views that they held. So mm-hmm. what these networks had to do was they had to, you know, appeal to to people all across the ideological spectrum yeah and as a result there was less polarization in the media but but once that changed with cable news and you know more personalized technology you started seeing um i think fox started with it and then cnn and msnbc followed and and now you see very targeted like very targeted approaches to to news media yeah it's so interesting to see like how journalists and like tv reporters like how they have to cater to their base 
like you know like you know what you were talking about like with the you know like how everything's personalized like I mean it's personalized like I agree but it's also like they have to cater to a specific audience and like it's like a general like they have to generally analyze like what their audience like who their audience is made up of and from there they like you know they push out their like you know their their own agenda honestly but it's like it's very interesting because like human beings are innately like tribalistic like we've like come from like different tribes and different like you know different like subsections of populations and like now we live in a country with like what 330 340 million people mm-hmm. and it's like and it's like a lot of people fit into like an ideological binary like people like you and I like we break that binary by being able to decipher like the good faith and the bad faith bad faith actors on like both sides but like a lot of people like if you listen to their policy positions they're like a talking point like yeah, i'm like there's yeah. nothing there's i'm like there's nothing to you that like i couldn't like run into somebody else like you know say like the liber- like the typical liberal college campus student is like a like i'm like you are a walking you are a walking proof of indoctrination <laughs> or like yeah, same thing yeah. with like a lot of same thing with like you know middle-aged okay stereotypically like middle-aged white dudes that watch like fox news i'm like you're also a walking talking point like you're gonna defend any you're like you're gonna defend the war in iraq but then like all of a sudden when trump becomes president now you're a big critic of like all these wars and like we need to get out so it's like you are a tribal zealot and it's yeah. like it's very interesting yeah to, it's, to it's, witness that it, and it starts by not being able to um you know have conversations with people who who don't have your viewpoint because yeah i mean and there's like statistics and studies that that cite you know the exact phenomenon you're describing where it's you know one a, one a position on one issue can predict a position on these five issues like because yeah. because people are so you know they're liberal on all their positions or they're conservative on all their positions um, and I think that starts because, you know, it goes back to like the thing I described of like these sort of intellectual like bubbles. Like it's so easy to just surround yourself with information that just that just reinforces what you already know or what you already think. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah. it's 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 a mess. And I don't like I don't know how we'll uh, we'll we'll get out of it. Anytime. I know it's uh, it's definitely a real black pill, man. Like I'm. I, are you hip to like the, the different pills, like white pill, black pill, red pill, blue pill? No, no, I'm not. Okay, so uh, this is, uh, I'm going to educate you, Mayo. Okay. <laughs> okay, so like the red pill is that like, okay, this is my definition of the red pill. What, like when it comes to politics, what is presented as fact by the corporate press is in fact a, a, narr- a largely constructive narrative, a largely constructed narrative that keeps very bad people in power. So that is my definition of the red pill. Like what they present as fact is like, you know, is a narrative that they constructed themselves. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's a, I feel like that's a pretty fair definition. I mean, like whether it be defending the wars that George Bush started or, you know, Obama is like a saint or, uh, you know, Trump is orange man bad. Like, I mean, you know, like, I mean, I could criticize. There's like plenty of like to criticize about Trump. I'm not like some sort of zealot, but like it's like they construct a narrative and that narrative is constructed in order to keep people in power the black pill is that all hope is lost and this is like it's getting hard to evade the fact that you know america is becoming more tribal and like it's becoming harder and harder to have conversation the white pill is that not all hope is lost like the good guys will win but i mean i hear people that are white pilled but i'm like it's kind of hard to be Mm-hmm. And the blue pill is just like, you know, you're stuck in the matrix. Like you're, you know, you, you're just consuming whatever news comes your way with no, mm-hmm. you know, with 100% trust. I don't, I don't understand how people's egos and no offense, but particularly on the left where like, if you watch like a change my mind segment by like Crowder, people get so like angry and people are so emotionally entrenched into their ideology. I'm like, yeah, yeah. where did that, I, I, do you know where that came from? Because I honestly don't. Like they can't like fathom someone having a different opinion. Uh, yeah. And I, I think that just comes from 
look like i think okay. that just comes from that again like it, it, it just comes from not having interacted with people with other views um enough like and that can stem from you know even like childhood like where you grow up and you know we're even seeing like where you grow up is a politically polarized thing as well like geographically you can probably map polarization in terms of you know which towns or suburbs are mostly liberal or mostly republican or which states obviously are, or like the, the city versus rural differences um so like we're even seeing geographically there's a ton of polarization and like what that polarization does is you don't get to interact with enough people with different viewpoints then you're gonna be you know by the time you're like 20 or i don't know like by the time you're kind of old and you're on youtube and you're you know watching people with different viewpoints you you become you become alarmed at the fact that that they don't agree with you when people around you have been agreeing with you your whole life so mm-hmm. I like for me, for example, I grew up around mostly con- like most of my friends are conservative. Like I most like I in my town, like my town's pretty conservative. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wasn't even into politics, honestly, until my friends were having debates. And I think I just found myself, you know, disagreeing with them, but wanting to defend myself like, you know, mm-hmm. and not in like any tribal way, but just like because I disagreed with them, I just wanted to be able to sort of stand up for what I believe in. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's where my my interest in politics came about. But I think for most people, most of their friends have the same, you know, ideological preferences as they do. You know, one mm-hmm. phenomenon I saw when I went to college, mm-hmm. um, which is crazy, was the was the was the like the the uh, uh, the reaction to someone just being like a Republican or like a conservative or, mm-hmm. you know, there's people you know when i released my first article and i like put it on instagram there was people who went to um who went to my school who like dm'd me and were like you know thank you for speaking out against because my the first article i released was like should you be friends with people you know yeah, from on the, the other side, side of the yeah. aisle yeah that was yeah. a great article so that yeah there was like there was people from my school who were like you know since i've come here like people have like avoided me because they know i'm a conservative like they're like I'm being just treated completely differently. And, and I don't think it's like, and it's partly just because like most people just come from places where they were always surrounded by liberals. So, Mm -hmm. you know, seeing a, a a Republican is like something they're just not used to like at all. I know dude, it's, um, it's really bizarre. I mean, I think I'm not trying to quote unquote victim blame here, but I think it's partially on people that are like closeted conservative or like closeted Republican. Like the fact that, I mean, I get that it's really tough, especially Mm -hmm. like on social media where like there's a mob of like cancel culture. Like it's like, it's insane. Like if you say like the wrong thing, like somebody's going to email your school or, you know, email your employer and like, you know, try to ruin your job. But it's like, I mean, expect like if are you someone that's like brave enough to stand up for yourself or not you know what mm-hmm. i mean and it's like i get that it's tough and like i'm i'm being a hypocrite myself like sometimes like if i like if i hear some chick and like her first sentence is like well this election wasn't about a vote it was like about human rights you know like a fucking brain dead auto mode like that's like a fucking automated response uh-huh. i could hear that from like any person especially a chick or uh-huh. like a a really feminine dude yeah yeah okay yeah so it's like it's just um i'm just like it can be really tough like to i i really feel like your conservative friends like i i can really relate to that struggle because it's like um because people's egos are so big and because people are so emotionally invested in their their tribal politics it's like they um they other the other side like they make it like the other like oh this person clearly because of their stances on policy or whatever like or like because of who they support like they are this like you if you support donald trump you are a racist like if we started taking shots for every time we saw an infographic that said that on instagram we would be passed out drunk right now yeah you are a white supremacist like you are a nazi and it's like it's it's so well the nazi one is like the most like preposterous one but whatever 
yeah, these were like, words that were that were rarely used to describe people. Like they were yeah. used to describe literal like Nazis, yeah. white supremacists and Nazis. Yeah. But now they're used more casually. And now the, I'll say like two things about 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 the sort of indifferent the like crazy reaction people have to different views. Like number one, like you know, on college campuses, you know, in schools that are in very liberal areas. The other thing I've noticed is like it just it there's like an expectation that everyone's on the same page about certain issues so there's like an expectation of agreement um so like when people make statements it it just becomes like extremely hard to speak out you know like even though like me personally i might agree with those statements like i can just clearly see like what would happen if i didn't and like i definitely it'd be it'd be extremely hard to speak out and then secondly i think it's this and I, I've been really honing in on this as of the past few months, but but people don't understand why people have different views. Or maybe they do like at the surface level, but they don't actually they can't actually fathom that people have like different perspectives and like people value different perspectives and like liberals like really value like the idea of different perspectives and giving a voice. Uh, to people who have the most unique perspectives, but I think sometimes they fail to recognize that that those perspectives are on the right as well, and mm-hmm. they have like the people like conservatives just have fundamentally different values, yeah, um, than liberals. Like they're not being like what you perceive as them being racist. You know, while in some cases, in unique cases, it may be because they're just legitimately racist. In most cases, it's because of a result of of certain values that they have or certain perspectives they have on the matter of identity that like, you know, I personally agree with, disagree with, but Mm -hmm. you know, I think it's important that I can, that I can understand why it is they have that. And when you do understand that, when you have this sense of like understanding, I think you're able to see the other person as more, you know, human and more approachable and less, less Mm -hmm. of, you know, racist white supremacist or the other yeah other yeah yeah Yeah. okay so to address your first point um i remember taking ap psychology gotta flex the ap in there uh i remember (laughs) taking ap psychology in uh like 10th grade and there was this video shown about this like study conducted and it was like there were six actors and then there was one like regular person there Mm -hmm. and like they would they would be asked like really simple questions and um like they would like give the answer And then all of a sudden, people started, like the actors, they started to intentionally give the wrong answer to see what the response of that seventh person was. And then like at the start, like the seventh person would start giving the right answers. But then as the questions kept on going and these people kept on, you know, giving the wrong answers intentionally, the person Uh eventually conformed. So like, I think, I think that there's this huge desire for people to fit in. And like, that's why you see a lot of the uh, performative activism on on Instagram, because it's like, okay, like, I need to like fit in, like, everybody's posting about like George Floyd or Breonna Taylor, or what's going on in Palestine and Israel. So like, I need to drop like my own infographic or whatever. And it's like, so people, people, people constantly desire fitting in, like, why do you think people get trashed on a weekend? Like people, mm. people, people literally wake up to like freaking the worst hangovers. And that includes me. Like, yeah. uh, like people, why do you think people desire that? Or people desire to go to the club or people desire to go like do certain things. It's because that that is in like the norm and like it's innate in humans to be tribal and it's innate in human beings to conform. And these are two things that like um, all the powers that be, you know, the media, social media, like politicians like they really hone in on these like tribal instincts to conform as well as to uh you know be make sure you were like you know to make sure you're part of the group and yeah so i mean it's very it's very interesting to see all this like all this like psychology kind of like play out and um it's it is i I, trust me i think it's so important to like have discussions with people that like you disagree with i've like, I love my friends that are, like, on the left that, you know, we can have a discussion. Like, we're, you know, we disagree on, like, a particular issue, like, our gun rights or whatever. Like, we can have, like, a, a discussion on that. 
where we understand each other's perspective. And like, yeah, like you said, liberals and conservatives have different values. Like nowadays, most liberals are like, you know, they're about the collective and they're about the quote unquote marginalized. Whereas like conservatives are more about like, you know, individual rights. And they, they seem to be more so the party of individual liberty and like personal freedom and personal choice. Like mm-hmm. outside of like abortion, we don't want to get, get into that because conservatives have their own perspective on life, which is like differing. But it's like, mm-hmm. it's so, it's so, I don't know. It's just really weird to see like the left, like, oh, if you have this position, that means you are this. Like yeah. that's the conclusion that they come to immediately. And, and I, you know, this view, I mean, it's a pretty... It's it's a pretty it's not too hard it's not too like complex or unique of a person like of a take to have um, mm-hmm. that like you know people's views are informed by different values yeah but I think it's 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 lost upon us and you know one thing and this might be a point of um of uh, disagreement between me and you but mm-hmm. but one thing I think I especially recently have have um have grown to understand is is that that not only applies like to liberals and conservatives ideologically but but that goes for the same for you know people in power who i think i used to despise Mm -hmm. you know i used to be like very sort of populist in nature Mm -hmm. um you know extremely anti-establishment yeah um continue your point yeah yeah so i was saying like the people like people who we can who people often consider the establishment or the elites they have their own belief system and um and yeah they have their own belief system in which they think they're justified in doing what they do as well and you know particularly on the on the democrat side that belief system is more at least how i understand it kind of more anti-democracy more in the more favored towards like technocrats towards experts um like more favored towards the belief that you know experts know what's in the best interest of people rather than the people themselves um there's more of a global focus rather than a domestic focus Mm -hmm. um poverty is more important than inequality although that's i think changing for democrats more and more um Wait, yeah. wait, can you, wait, uh, poverty is more important than inequality. Can you uh, explain that point? Just because mm-hmm. I'm, I'm just trying to wrap my mind around it. Can you elaborate on that? Yeah, yeah. So poverty, so inequality encompasses the view that, you know, people the rich are, are too, yeah. the rich are too rich. And you the know, poor people they are have rich. too much concentration of wealth and power. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And with that, they're able to influence you know, policy disproportionately and then like, like, you know, kind of obstruct democracy. And um, there's definitely a lot of truth to that. I'm not gonna Yeah, really... and I yeah. completely and I completely agree. Yeah. yeah. But I think what the establishment, at least before the Biden administration, because the Biden administration has pivoted a little bit on mm-hmm. this issue, but certainly Obama, um, Clinton, you know, these guys, I think they cared way more about poverty at the domestic level and the global level. Um, so poverty, meaning just the people who are absolutely like poorest of the poor, Mm -hmm. you know, below the poverty line, right? Like this doesn't really, this doesn't really incorporate the view that, you know, the people who are too rich are too rich and it's becoming kind of oligarchic in terms of the power that they have. Yeah. You know, poverty, like that whole shtick is absent in, in, um, in the view of like, in the view of just looking at poverty rather than inequality. So uh, the establishment definitely had that view, which is why you see people like, why you see Democrats, they used to often like empower people like Bill Gates because yeah, they were like, however, like hundred billion dollar mm-hmm. net worth, but they were combating poverty at a global level, like more yeah. so than some governments were doing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that's like one of the tenets of, uh, of, of the view of the establishment um um other things are like this a focus on efficiency tendency towards like market solutions um Mm -hmm. just a more i think more of just an appreciation for intelligence you know like i mean a a lot of the establishment were they were kind of elitist 
they didn't yeah. really care about what the people say you know politics was just a means to to you know get power it wasn't really a means to represent people um and i think that's that's the view those are the views that that um the establishment really believed and like they're a legitimate set of views like i don't think people were just being you know like when people talk about the establishment messing things up from the 80s to now with the war and with yeah war on drugs and, and yeah. war on drugs yeah with all these things intervention in in mm-hmm. foreign places oh absolutely like yeah. i don't think they just did it because they were like okay we're evil so let's be evil it was because they had legitimate views and those views sometimes made them more susceptible to corruption especially yeah. because those views often empowered them in terms of you know concentrating wealth among them and power among them um and you know power corrupts so so yeah. like so I, I think my views as of the past few months have evolved from the sort of us versus them dynamic against elites and the establishment mm-hmm. that i think a lot of populists a lot of you know anti-establishment types have mm-hmm. and more towards how do we change the, what the establishment like how do we how do we change what establishment types like think uh about you know when they think about combating you know issues that are central to to our world and our country okay, um, okay. well um i think that's a that's an interesting take but like i don't think you can convince somebody that is making you know millions of dollars off of you know the the middle east getting blown up to you know stop that because they have human beings naturally respond to incentives and like the incentive to do that is pretty high for that individual. I think you just gotta, I think you just gotta vote out people that are like, that have the, I think we need to replace the old with the new. And I'm like, I'm not somebody that's like a dismantle the system kind of guy. I'm like more of a, like, we gotta, we have a great system with great checks and balances. I think we just need to, you know, limit the size and the scope of the, the federal government and, you know, make it so that, state governors like have more of a say in like their state policies rather than nationalizing everything because like if we're gonna live like together as like one cohesive nation like i think that like people i think that states like should have more of a say in the policy that affects them rather than like the nation as a whole like for example an issue like abortion i think maybe like maybe we get rid of roe v wade but like if New York and California want abortions, like go ahead and let them have abortions. But if Texas, like as a state decides like they don't want abortions, like like make it so that that's the case. Like I, I think that that's like a solution or specific districts in Texas, like Austin, like or cities like Austin and Dallas or Houston, like they're more like liberal. If they want abortions, like let it so that their district, let it be district when they're paying taxes, a certain amount of money can get allocated to like a Planned Parenthood. But like, it's like the nationalizing of everything. It's like the, that's why elections have become a bigger and bigger deal over the years because it's like, oh, like you're going to be ruled under this like one person. Like the, the left is, was ruled on. You heard me say. Yeah. So you're talking about um, like states having different abortion laws and. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So like, I'm just saying that I think like things need to get less nationalized and yeah. like, you know, if Texas wants guns, like, let Texas have guns. And if California wants to ban guns, like, okay, California can ban guns. And like more, you know, like if California wants higher taxes, go for higher taxes. If Texas wants like no income tax, which is something I want, uh, mm-hmm. I'll take no income tax. You know what I mean? So yeah. I, I think, I think if we want to, if we want to live cohesively as a country, I think different regions have to be, people have to be individual level, have to be more humble, less tribal, more um i think people i think skepticism is innately a good thing i think it's a really good especially if if any year taught people to be skeptical in my opinion it's 2020 like 2020 like the amount of quote-unquote misinformation i love how the corporate press calls it misinformation but like if anybody is misinforming people more than anybody i think it's the corporate press like like it's just like if any year taught people to be skeptical of what's going on and like how like what people say versus what they do. Those are two completely different things. Like if Gavin Newsom is pushing this fucking insane COVID 
you know, like, uh, he's like a fucking czar dictator and he's pushing all these crazy COVID policies and he's like telling people that they can't sing in their houses or that they have to wear a mask in between bites. But this dude's going to a fucking fancy ass restaurant with seven to eight other people not wearing a mask inside. Like, what does that like say? Like, like he's, he's pushing all this shit and like, you know, spreading all this fucking fear porn and propaganda. But like on the same end, he's the same dude who's like, he doesn't, he like, doesn't give a fuck. Like he yeah. got, he got caught on 4k twice. Like he, he yeah, really doesn't, yeah. he doesn't care. So no, it's like, yeah, the, the, <laughs> like the hypocrisy is, it, and it, Nancy right. like, I agree. I agree. It's Bouncy. good to be skeptical. Um, yeah. And the hypocrisy is alarming and it's alarming. And I think, you know, to your federalism point, like, mm-hmm. I think my issue, I think my issue with, uh, I guess like, decentralizing political power has to do with um has to has to really do with it i feel like it you're proposing it as like a solution to um overcoming a lot of like these very polarizing social issues Mm -hmm. um and i think that it in some ways it like the social the issues that it that would arise because of it namely like just more like political fragmentation more like you know i was talking earlier about like this like sort of geographic polarization that we have as well yeah we we do have that yeah i feel like that would certainly empower that and i'm not even thinking really about the economic repercussions um okay i do like i i do like i i'm definitely not someone who i know during like uh covid when um there was a lot of trouble with states like negotiating like PPE equipment and things like that. Like some States getting less than other States. And often it was just the States who were politically aligned with, you know, Trump that were getting more resources. A lot of people Mm -hmm. were, were really frightened by that. And I think overreacted in the sense that they, you know, they were wondering why we had federalism at all. Like they think talking about shifting to more unitary form of government, which there's no like state, governments and and i certainly mm-hmm. think that's extreme yeah um, but but i i don't as a means to like overcoming like the social the polarization we have over social issues culture war issues such as polarized i mean such as abortion, abortion. and gun rights <laughs> i don't i don't know if that's to. i don't know if that's as great of a solution i mean mostly because i mean those those issues are polarizing for for a reason and it's not just because of people being extremely passionate about that like they people started becoming extremely passionate about that i think like like after roe v wade like roe v wade wasn't a huge like like when it actually happened um there wasn't like this huge reaction by the country over the ruling it was only until a few years later when i think politicians realized I think this Nixon, is like an issue. This is an issue that we can, you know, that we can sort of take advantage of by yeah. making people really, really care about it. And like, yeah. And, and I, th- I so like, it's not, I, I think overcoming it has to do with more like deprogramming people rather than just shifting the um, polarization to be like, you know, a state by state uh, on a state by state basis. Like, People like Texans already hate Californians and vice versa. Like, well, I feel like Californians you... hate them so much. Why are they moving there? Yeah. Uh, right, yeah. I mean, like, you know, or I, I guess I should have said more like Southern states will hate California. Oh, like, no, 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 no. No. Yeah. Texas definitely hates California. And I think they hate them more than ever now now that they're infiltrating. Yeah. 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 And yeah. I think <laughs> so. I, I don't know if like the, the, um, you know, more like whatever it's called, well, I guess more decentralization. I get what you're saying, like on, and I think that was like, that was like in alignment with what I was saying about people needing to drop their egos, Mm -hmm. people just needing to, but I don't know how we do that, man. I mean, that is like really tough. People got some fat ass egos out here. People are like, (laughs) oh, people are so condescending whenever they interact. Like I don't, I don't ever interact with people that like, I don't respect because I'm like, I never get into, like, I used to get into like online, like interactions, altercations with people on like TikTok, but I'm like, dude, what is the point of this? I'm like, I'm literally just wasting my time talking to somebody. I know that's not going to change their mind. And yeah. I'm probably not going to change my mind from somebody typing on the internet 
it's much easier. Like the D, I think one huge thing, and I think you would definitely agree with this, like that's contributed to this whole polarization is definitely like social media and like how people interact online. People act, there are a lot of internet tough guys out there. There are a lot of, there are tough guys and tough gals and tough they dems out there. Uh-huh. Uh, yeah, yeah. like there are a lot of people that like say shit that you know damn well they wouldn't say in person it's uh i don't know i don't know what is that i think people feel that sense of security because they can you know they can hide behind their screen or whatever yeah exactly so that's yeah. definitely that definitely plays a huge role into that but like i don't know i i've definitely tried to be less nasty on the internet because it's like i don't get anything out of like you know spewing like rhetoric that i think is hateful or whatever like yeah, I'll laugh at a yeah. joke or whatever, but I'm not gonna like you know, I'm not gonna be a dick to some random person. I don't really, I don't care about that person enough to be a dick to them. You know, it's like <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't know what is with this. Definitely another thing is like the algorithms. Like the algorithms is definitely you know, if you're liking a lot of conservative content, you're gonna get more conservative content. Same thing with like liberal content, and that you know that again, just like the the mainstream, the corporate press, it you know puts you into a thought bubble, an echo chamber. Yeah, yeah. And and the other thing is like social media helps you like it helps you like commodify, you know, these opinions in terms of like and and that affects the way you the nuance with which you develop um like these opinions. Like you know, like when I was on like on Twitter, I don't know, you might have seen this account before, but his name's like Robert Reich. Oh, yes, of course. So he's a Did he's he work a, for Bill Clinton? Uh, he was secretary of labor under Bill Clinton. Yeah, he's like a, he was a lovable guy. He was like, he didn't really like, like what he contributed to in the Clinton administration um, wasn't like, it was pretty, like, he, I think he was pretty effective. Uh, he's a likable guy. I mean, I don't like him anymore, really. But, you know, he was, he like ran for governor, I think, of Massachusetts. But I think he lost. He's published some books um, and he has like a podcast. But I think he's one of the, I think he's one of the ultimate grifters of, of that, of like that commodification of these like opinions, like, like the way he writes his tweets. Um, mm-hmm. It's, it, it's so like, it's so simplified and it's extremely general and it's just like these clever little, like, it, it's just not nuanced at all. Like, and, it, it's really disappointing to, to see how popular he is and you know he he actually teaches a course at my school it's called like wealth and poverty and it's like a super popular course oh, but no, you know I've, I've watched lectures and and it's just like i mean i I've, I've watched lectures i've seen his podcast and it's just his like talking points upon talking points and there's like yeah. no nuance there's no nuance it's like watching those podcasts is almost like watching a series of just, you know, talking heads. On, CNN, like, like CNN re- quote unquote reliable sources. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. maybe more progressive than CNN or MSNBC. I mean, he is more on the progressive side. But yeah. it's just like the arguments are all, always like rhetorical. They just have very little nuance. Like, I'm not trying to like hate on this guy completely. No. But like, he also calls him himself well. like an economist and he's not. Like, he doesn't really publish any research. Like, he just kind of i i kind of liked him before i think just because i knew he taught at my school so i was like yay like someone famous is like at my school and i can like like, come behind him but but i just know that whenever i muted him on twitter because whenever i see his tweets or anything like published again i'm just like this this opinion lacks (laughs) so much brain dead take alert (laughs) it's just the it's just a talking point yeah uh, yeah, man, that is definitely a lot of the internet. It is uh, comprised of a lot of a lot of brain dead takes, and that that's on both the left and the right. They both have their like grifters. Yeah. I, I mean, I think most on, I feel like most online people aren't, but even like it's still hard to decipher because a lot of people are talking points. So it's like, do you really believe all these talking points, or are you just like you know selling a brand, you know? It, well, it's yeah, kind of yeah. tough to decipher, but there there are definitely a lot of people that uh, are that don't have like nuanced takes. Like a lot of people, like on the like the further right, like the Nick. Do you know who like Nick Fuentes is? He's like a groiper. I don't know if you've heard of him. 
No, 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 I don't know. Okay, well, he's like uh he's like one of those paleo conservative. He's like pretty. People call him like far right, and he definitely has some like far right, like he, not like far right, but he he's got yeah he's got some far right views. Uh, like he's against like homosexual homosexuality, and he's like against mm-hmm. like uh inter interracial marriage is like what he's against. But he like calls like he calls out a lot of like the uh, mainstream conservative like talk uh, people like you know Charlie Tr- Charlie Kirks and like Ben Shapiro's and all them. So I don't know. Yeah. I can't really tell if they're grifting or not. But like again, like my thing is like I I listen to everybody and I like well I mean I listen to more people on the right than the left but I I try to listen to people on the left it's just kind of hard to find people on the left that I think are worth listening to no offense yeah but no, like no. you know like like the people like the Michael Tracys of the world and like the Glenn Greenwalds like they're they're always worth listening to I can listen to like I mean I Jimmy Dore he's like another guy and it's like these are people that I can trust but I feel like they're so few and far between on both sides because a lot of people are just espousing talking points and uh it's it's led to where we are now uh, you know it's like this is just super hyper polarized and i i don't see how it's going to get better it just seems to be getting worse yeah, yeah. I, one of my biggest things is i don't want to be able to i mean this is kind of just a personal thing mm-hmm. a weird thing about myself but like i i don't like to no like i don't want to have like a complete agreement with anyone anyone like i read from or listen to or or hear from um like i i never want to like i i have this sort of obsession of just like craft like crafting or like like consuming the most unique set of like content that i possibly can so that involves just like watching obscure videos on youtube that only like five thousand people have watched and i don't know why i just like knowing mm-hmm. that but but i think that stems from i think that stems from me just not wanting to have my whatever my perspective is or my my worldview is just completely mm-hmm. taken from 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 someone else like i know that um yeah it's basically just comes from the desire to have to be offering a unique a unique perspective on things and i wish i wish more people were like that cuz a lot of people are just npcs they're just like programmed to say a certain thing like yeah, you see yeah. that on a college campus, you'll see that even in like probably southern parts of this country where like, you know, I'm not necessarily exposed to like more like conservatives, like more rural parts. But it's like I bet a lot of them are probably like talking points, too. Like they'll just they'll defend whatever the Republican Party says. This other party will. Def- I mean, the college campus kids, they'll defend anything the Democrats say or do. And it's like I don't I don't get how you can be like that, because it's like like obviously both parties have been very corrupt for quite some time now since like i mean who knows for how long but like it's been evident since like i don't know like the 70s or 80s like you know when middle eastern like the intervention in the middle east started under like you know the jimmy carter days Mm -hmm. and um it's like it's obvious that like both of these parties like fucked up and it's like people talk about like systemic racism which like you know i think is like you know real like it definitely like to say, like, I think it's ignorant for a guy like Ben Shapiro to be like, oh, like, you know, we just got rid of redlining laws. And now, like, okay, that's, like, of course, like, it still affects, like, a lot of people. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but yeah. It, but it, I'm just like, that's such an ignorant take. But it's also, like, like, I also get the point where, like, they're talking about, like, the inner city violence and, like, how that's a problem. It's like, there's there's multiple things that can be true at the same time, you know? And people like to, you know, people like to craft a narrative with, you know, by t- picking and choosing what statistics they want to use to back their argument, right? Yeah. But yeah, it's like, a, but like, I'm just like, things can be fucking complicated. Like, it's a ho- yeah. horrible phenomenon. Like, it and happens like, so mm-hmm. much. And it's like, the, the number one example is like, why the African American community has not, you know, uh, you know, not been able to uh, elevate itself since like the 1960s, I think. And, like, does systemic racism, like, play a role in this? Like, yeah, for sure. Like, you know, it's obvious that, like, hey, if you have, like, segregation laws, you have, like, you're, you know, crowding people into low-income, high-poverty areas. And, like, you know, it, you know, people have, you know, shitty, low access, poor access to, like, education. So it's, like, yeah, of course, it's, like, difficult, you know, low access to resources and, like, 
it makes it difficult for them to crawl out of that, you know, socioeconomic status. But like another huge thing is like culture. Like I'll, I'll give the example of like India, like my grand, I mean, this is like personal, but like my granddad, like he, both of his parents died like very young. And like he was raised by like his older brother who took care of like his three or four kids as well as his like five, his like four or five siblings. So they, he had like a lot of people to feed. But like this man just like grinded. Like he like he studied under a street light. He like he did everything he could to be successful. So it's like there's like a cultural like family aspect that's like lacking, which is like the conservative point, like their talking point, you know, like most black kids are raised by like single mothers and like, you know, having only one parent in the house, like, you know, is resulting in more likely your kid becoming, you know, violent and like, you know, I don't know, you know, being around more crime because like you're in a poverty, you know, a poverty ridden area. So it's like, it's so complicated and nuanced. Yeah. And people love to like, just simplify it, you know? Yeah. And, and people just love to put it into a box and Hey, this is like my box. This is my team. You're either on my team or you're against my team. And it's like, it's so, it's so bad. And it's, this is horrible for society. Yeah. Yeah. And like, I mean, not, I'm not refuting your point you yeah. made about um, those mm-hmm. cultural aspects, but I mean, that, yeah that like an, another effect like on top of that is that you know your you know grandfather or i mean your your extent your relatives you know mm-hmm. they also they also like applied to come here they chose to come here so like that's another effect and oh, then you no, can no, go no, for sure further. i'm not denying the fact that like the fact that my parents had a degree it made life easier for them here compared to like an, i'm not like refuting that no no, no. And, I, and and that effect doesn't doesn't i'm not saying that effect cancels out what you're saying I'm just yeah. saying, like, and I, I'm a completely agreeing with you. I mean, this is actually relevant to the article I'm writing right now. It's that, it's that there's all these, there's all these effects, right? Like, there's like, whether it's an economic phenomenon that you're examining or a social mm-hmm. phenomenon, like, these things are complex, often because they have to do with millions of people and the decisions they're making and the actions they're taking, and there's so many effects that you know for that you first have to identify properly mm-hmm. secondly you have to like sort of examine the relationships between these effects and then mm-hmm. thirdly you have to be able to weigh which effects you know are more significant than others and i think what often happens is that's subjective yeah yeah and that's yeah. subjective so that's where the disagreement comes but mm-hmm. what what you see right now is the disagreement just comes on, on those on that first step on identifying the effect because yeah. people aren't identifying all the effects. Once they get mm-hmm. the effect that helps them and their own narrative, then they stop looking. You know, yeah. they, they stop looking further, and you have to keep looking. And you know, I'm uh, that's what like you know, I, I'm in sort of an economics nerd. Like that's mm-hmm. what like the best economists do. Where you know, regardless of their, you know, I feel like I'm kind of like spouting off like an exact paragraph i'm right but like regardless of like the ideology that they might have um they persist you know to keep looking for more effects even if even if stopping now would like prove what they would want to prove like they have to keep they have to keep looking and yeah and it's 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 something you can never have a determined like answer to but Mm -hmm. but at least looking at it this way makes for a much better debate makes for a mm-hmm. much better like much product much more productive discussion yeah and like i, I mean people don't want to have uh productive discussions people want like compliance and people want to dunk on other people and that's like what you see a lot uh in conversations record like debates like that's why like i hate like these like debates online like i always think they're so dumb because it's like somebody's always trying to like dunk on whatever and like the presidential debates are like the uh, epiphany of that like where it's like joe don't call me sm-. like joe you're not smart or like this idiot over you know what i mean it's yeah like, yeah yeah it's like okay like you're just what all you're trying to do is like rile up your base you know the people that are watching this that support you are going to be like oh trump won or oh biden won like that's like that's like how it is that's why i think it's so it's just so stupid but it's it's like, it's like theater. It's it's, it's theater. Just, no, oh yeah, politics is all theater. Yeah, and it, it's all theater. And and you know, like I used to be super, you know, like I said before, like I used to be very sort of 
populist and uh, like anti-establishment. But but I think where I've become more removed from that is, you know, the acknowledging that yeah, in an ideal scenario, you know, the presidents, both presidents, don't just have like thirty seconds to talk about their views on immigration and respond yeah. to each other. In an ideal scenario, you're gonna have. A four-hour conversation. Yeah, like you know, like a like that's why I wanted Joe Rogan. To, yeah, like, yeah. To moderate. I was like, dude, this is the best fucking thing. You get all the audience out. Uh, it's Trump, uh, Joe Biden, Joe Rogan, and Jamie who's gonna fucking pull up the shit. <laughs> yeah. And like, okay, just those four people in a room, four hours discuss what your plan is to make this country better. Because like, I I hope at the end of the day that's all we want. I mean. I see a lot of like more of the extreme left. They're like death to America. And I'm like, Oh, what? Like, like we're not even, it's like people are just not even remotely close to being on the same page. Just like, you know, how we were talking about like how issues like lack nuance and like people kind of want to just fit their shit into one thing. It's like people that results in people ending up having very different goals with the country and it's uh it's all it's all concerning man it's it's really concerning yeah, uh, more yeah. than anything and it's like you and i we, we probably don't agree on like every policy position or whatever but like me and you can be like okay like like let's at least talk about like what is going on like why mm-hmm. why is this happening it's uh yeah yeah whew, and scary. and i think the, the the that like four hour conversation would would be like awesome but i, I think what's sad is that there wouldn't be nearly enough, you know, viewership of that, you know, compared to what the debates are the, as they are right now. Yeah. Um, and, and that's, I think the disappointing thing about, about a democracy, like while in principle, I, I, I'm a huge fan of democracy and think it's about, and, and think the health of it should be, you know, pristine. Unfortunately, that's just not the case. Like it, it and it's hard to, I mean, there's, there's laws that you can do to improve the health of our democracy. Um, there are certain practices that people in government can can perform better to improve the health of our democracy. But in the end, it really comes down to the attitudes of participants in it. Mm-hmm. And, and unfortunately, like it's just, it's such a huge obstacle. Like changing changing the attitudes of changing the political attitudes of Americans to be more to be more open and just to honestly yeah. care more. I mean, yeah. it involves, it involves economics. Like, like we said in the beginning yeah. of this conversation, you know, a lot of working class Americans won't even vote because it's, they don't, they see it as a waste of time. Yeah. They see they it as see a waste of time. Like, they don't see they tangible see change. Theater and they don't see like how it's going to impact their lives. So they, yeah. Don't and they just don't have, they don't have time. Like, yeah, I, I know people who like, I know someone who like volunteered for, a campaign in Iowa and he was going door to door knocking on doors and people didn't even know the candidates like at all because even yeah. though they're in oh, yeah. Iowa, people don't know shit about local politics yeah well no not even no this was like for the Iowa caucus right so, oh wow okay and they didn't they didn't know at all despite Iowa the Iowa caucus being the first major primary you know like mm-hmm. a lot of these Americans didn't even you know that, that didn't really mean mean anything to them um yeah and they didn't know you know more than one or two candidates um mm-hmm. so it's it's sad like thinking about it like some like something that's such a central tenant of our country of yeah. our country is like super diminished because of a host of issues we've already discussed yeah um it's hard to think of how how we'll overcome it but but you know i think the way to not be so nihilist about about politics is to is to is is to really honestly just like hone in on on those baby steps yeah um so i think that's that's something i've learned with the biden administration okay i mean yeah i think it's uh it's really difficult to like have conversations with a lot of people because like i said earlier people are so like emotionally entrenched into their ideology that like you know if if anybody refutes a point it's like you can't really you know like you'll kind of just lose that person like they won't be engaged or interested, so like it's uh, it gets um, it's it's really hard to solve problems that way. That's why I'm more of a proponent of like decentralization. But again, I see the cons of that, like that you mentioned, like you know how like geographical politics is already so like divided and shit. Like it would only exasperate that. I would assume 
if like, oh, okay, so this particular town in Texas, like they banned abortions and they made it like even easier for people to get firearms, like, okay, more, you know, Republican people are going to move there or like, you know, a city in New York, like no guns, abortion free for all, like more people will move there. Well, I mean, not really because of what's going on in New York over the past year. But like, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, 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 it's, yeah, the whole COVID mess. But then, everything. like, then, like, just taking that example, right? I mean, mm-hmm. those are just two, two effects we named. So mm-hmm. we just we identified a policy, right? Yeah. And then we just kind of named two effects, and then, you know, it starts there, and then you keep, and then you know, if this conversation was like, gonna take place over a few years, and we were gonna write a dissertation at the end of it. You know, mm-hmm. it was like we that would be the start of us examining all the different effects of doing that. And then, yeah. And then, you know, your your effect might have more weight than mine. It very mm-hmm. well could. Yeah. Um, or vice versa. Yeah. Yeah. Or vice I mean, versa. It, uh, but it's like I, I think people care more about like economics. Like people definitely care about fine. Like how I think people even if you're like a Democrat, I think people like less taxation. People like, you know, people like less cost of living. Like, these are things that I think people naturally gravitate to. Like, I think that's why you're seeing, like, the California and New York exoduses. I mean, like, people are just tired of living in, like, places where they can't really start up businesses or, like, they can't. Like, their cost of living is so high in these places. And it's yeah. because of, like, the over like the over-regulation. But again, like, that's why I'm also more of a fan of, like, state policies. Because, like, if, I don't know, it's, like it's we're kind of stuck in between a rock and a hard place you you either have like more nationalization of shit or you have like more state and like that's kind of what i like like you know people give trump a lot of shit for his covid response or whatever but it's mm-hmm. like if he took a more national nationalized approach the people who called him a fascist for three years like now they're really gonna hone in on oh he's a fat like you know like yeah either way like, either way he could have politically lost yeah either way like he could have politically lost like it's like i honestly think his response i mean first of all you can't really compare it to any any other place you can't compare it to these nordic countries who let three people in every year or yeah, like exactly. australia yeah, who like right, shut yeah. everything fucking down like it's like what are you like what are you comparing this to like oh my god i saw like these like little infographics at the start norway had like five i'm like yeah, yeah norway probably let two people in their country last year like what like what is this bullshit comparison we get it you don't like trump but like come on like I, like i can criticize donald trump all day but like like is this really like what you're doing yeah like, it's just, like it, it's, it, it's, yeah. it's the tribalism yeah but it's like I don't know, people, like, I liked how he was like, okay, listen, like, the states have a control over what they want to do, and if New York as a state is like, we're, you know, uh, COVID is going to kill all of us, like, okay, everybody should wear five masks and stay inside their house, but if Florida is like, listen, we looked over the data, okay, listen, I am a very, like, big believer that COVID was not that big of a deal, like, I mean, I think there's a lot of facts and statistics that I could rattle off to you know present that argument i i i liked florida and texas's response a lot better and i think a lot of people moved there because they thought their response was a lot better like i still have to wear a mask in my fucking gym even though i'm like fully vaccinated yeah well but that's like private college that's like oh yeah i know yeah that's like private yeah i know but like still like if i showed them like a vax card like yeah, no, you should be able to. This? No, you know I, mean? I, I, I think Texas is. I remember when Texas removed the mask mandate and said everything was back. To Everybody back. fucking there was outcry, but when you look at the numbers, the they're numbers fine. The, 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 literally a few few days ago or something, like they reported like zero COVID related deaths, and yeah. like COVID related meaning you died with COVID, not you died from COVID. Like well, the, the big death count number on CNN is death with COVID. So if I take a fucking, if I am feeling suicidal and I shoot myself, but I test positive for COVID, I will be in that list of COVID-related deaths, even though COVID had nothing to do with my death. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the thing about COVID was, I mean, it was, well, and this is where the whole... Um, we can I, disagree, bro. If you like, if you think COVID was a bigger deal, that's totally fine. No, I've no, had no. plenty of debate with like people, like I have a debate in my house every day with how big of a deal is COVID. No, I, I, I know I get the point you're making about, you know, yeah. deaths with COVID. And yeah, most that de- like you're going to like you're, you're way, way, way more likely to die if you already have some pre-existing condition. Um, or, yeah, if you're fat. like that's Yeah, or if you're fat, like those yeah. kinds of things. Yeah. And like 
you know, if we're, you we're know, old, me and you, yeah. for example, we're healthy, like, young, you know, people, young, we're not you gonna know, die. The, in shape. like, we should, like, in theory, we should be, like, fine. Like, we should, like, we're, if we get COVID, it won't be a huge deal. Yeah, it's but, like 99.9% or whatever. Yeah, it's like super yeah, fucking but, but the But I mean, the, but this is where, you know, like, people Fauci, disagree. And this is yeah. where, like, you fall on one or the other side of the debate. Yeah, there, where, this was a huge tribal issue. This was, like, one of the biggest of the year. Like, because and like, I'm definitely the, on the right on this, on this issue. Like, yeah, more, like, on the issue of, like, Fauci, right? I mean, he clearly... Mm-hmm. He, he he didn't like I think everyone can agree like there are facts that he curbed but he curbed them like on purpose because he felt that it was in you know the best interest of people not to hear that if you're young then you can do whatever you want because he didn't want people spreading yeah he didn't want spreading covid all over now now like the one reaction to that is like he's not telling the truth like he's yeah. he's put, keeping us inside unfairly the other reaction to that is He's you know, doing like what's best for it's for the collective good. You yeah. know, like you're telling people who might not be affected by COVID to stay home because you don't want them to affect, you know, other people and spread it to people who actually might be at risk. So it's yeah. more of like the, the it's, it's more of like it's a, a it's, a, it's a collect it, yeah, it's a distrust. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. So like like if you think that Fauci needed to hide facts, I think it's more of a to me it kind of reflects a distrust in people making a decision that's more collectivist in nature and that like okay i'm gonna be fine i'm healthy but i'm still gonna stay home because if i get it i don't want to spread it to people who are at risk i think it's more of a distrust like if you think fauci was right to do that it's a distrust in people making that decision whereas if you think fauci you know should have should have um you know just said the truth shouldn't have curbed facts i think you're more on the line of like you know i'm gonna do what i'm gonna do and people other people are gonna do what they're gonna do yeah it's just more of an individualistic <laughs> way i'm definitely i'm definitely way more individualistic for sure yeah I yeah i definitely subscribe to that that notion that like hey like i'm not gonna act like i'm sick when i'm not sick or if i'm like first off i also don't live with older people so like there's i the only place where i would even potentially interact with an older person would be like a grocery store. Like even yeah. at my college campus, when I go to a fucking, when I go to the bars or if I like am in a house party, like uh-huh. the, the age of the people, like the oldest person there is like 20 or 21. Yeah. Like it's yeah. not 81, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like, I'm not gonna be around. And like say, hey, if you are 20 and you're really concerned about your grandmother or grandfather who you live with, I can understand that. But I'm also like, hey, if you're so concerned, then you stay in your own house. Like the, your concern shouldn't be like a burden on me. And like, that's where I come with this whole individualistic thing. And it's like, I, I also think Fauci, he like, he lied about the masks. Uh, he keeps uh, stretching the date. He wore two masks even after getting vaccinated. It's definitely a distrust with like- our Well, part of it's like a PR thing, right? It's, I mean, like, the... a, it's like, yeah, like Rand Paul like called him out on it. Like he was like, dude, this is just theater. You're wearing two masks and you're vaccinated. And then he was like, oh, here we go again with the theater. And I'm like, yeah, cause he's calling you out on your shit, man. In my opinion. Yeah, well, I mean, I- Yes. I'm in the basement. I need to come upstairs. Sorry, everybody on the podcast. Uh, yo, Mayhol, uh, that this is an impromptu uh, ending to the podcast, unfortunately. I thought we had a great conversation. If you want to keep this going, maybe later. Uh, I'm down. But uh-huh. Yeah, no worries. No worries. Yeah, no. This is uh, a good conversation. Sorry. Yeah. Sorry, everybody, to my three listeners out there. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and yo, Mayhol, man, this was great. Uh, I, I really enjoyed this, this conversation. I thought we both did it. Great yes, job. And yeah. if, if only more Americans thought like us, I think America would be a better place. And my yeah, dad's screaming at me. So agree. see you, buddy. Yep. Thank you, everybody. Peace.